Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Featured in this episode on engagement and well-being, symbols in the workplace, are Laura Hamill, Chief People Officer at Limeade, and Tracy Brower with Steel Cases Applied Research and Consulting. We are delighted to have Laura Hamill, Chief People Officer at Limeade, uh, as part of our podcast today. This is actually part two of a two-part series, but if you didn't hear part one, no worries. These also stand on their own. So keep listening, and we'd love to have you be part of our dialogue. This is Tracy Brower. I'm a principal with the Applied Research and Consulting Group with Steelcase, and my PhD is in the area of the sociology of work. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about perspectives on people and social systems as they relate to the workplace. And Laura, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, about your role and about LimeAid. Yes, hi, thanks so much, Tracy. Yes, I um, have two roles at LimeAid. I am the Chief People Officer, so I work um, with a, a wonderful team of people, and we, we really try hard to make sure LimeAid is a great place to work. I also have another role, and that role is that I head up a group called LimeAid Institute. And in LimeAid Institute, we conduct primary and secondary research on the topics of well-being and employee engagement. And so my background is that I am an organizational psychologist, so I have a very similar degree as you, Tracy. Um, and we, uh, at LimeAid, we are an engagement platform. So what that means is we work with our customers to really support um, improving employee engagement. And at the core of that, we, we really look, through, look at employee engagement through the lens of well-being. Brilliant. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you for being with us today. We're really, really looking forward to your perspective. Thank you. So let's start out and talk just a little bit about leaders and some of the challenges they're facing. So what are the greatest challenges that you believe leaders are really facing today? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, right? There's a lot you can think about. Probably one of the things that I think is so important that leaders have to be really thinking about is the idea of how they work to create an engaged workforce. So engagement is such an interesting topic because it's one that's been studied so much repeatedly. And what we know is that the engaged workforces really lead to better business results, right? This is something that's been studied over and over again. When your workforce is engaged, you're more likely to have you know, better profitability, you're more likely to have fewer safety incidents, you're more likely to have um, more innovation and creativity, um, higher levels of retention. It's really been studied so much. And I think what's interesting is that engagement really in, in the U.S. is really not that high. You've probably seen or heard the statistics from Gallup where they talk about about 30% of the U.S. population is engaged at work. And I think the thing that's even more sad is that that doesn't, hasn't changed very much over the last 10 years. So we seem to have a real issue with how we create an engaged workforce. And so to me, that's, that's something that young, that leaders today really have to be thinking about how they do that. And another statistic that I thought was pretty important was, this is a, a, a research study that was done by Gallup, and they found that 70% of the variance in employee engagement is attributable to the manager. So the quality of the manager, the ma actions that the manager takes 
it really drives whether or not an employee can be engaged. And of course that makes sense, right, when you think about your own experiences, but boy, to think about 70% of the variance being attributable to managers, it's pretty, it's pretty strong. And so how do we actually get leaders and managers to do the things that are required to create an engaged workforce? Um, we have so much, you know, people are moving so fast, really, in so many cases, hard business, you know, challenges that they're facing, how do we get them to spend the time and the effort that's required to make sure that people really can be engaged at work? And so there are important conditions that need to happen at work. Um, there's the idea of helping employees really feel a sense of meaning and purpose, that helping them understand how much they matter and how connected they are to the success of the organization, um, how we get people to really feel um, like they're learning and growing and that they're, they're um, not just stagnant in the work that they're doing. So there's a lot of different things that need to happen in terms of learning and growth and meaning and purpose. But one of the things that is at the core of engagement is just this idea of well-being, about caring about people as people and really having people feel like they can bring their whole selves to work. Some of the research that we've conducted in Limeade Institute, and this is, Gallup has also found something similar, is that higher levels of well-being are related to higher levels of employee engagement. So there seems to be something really important going on between well-being, that kind of idea of you know, feeling good and feeling a sense of purpose, and being engaged at work. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. So let's talk some more about engagement. We actually, in some of Steelcase's research on engagement, we found that satisfaction with the workplace was significantly correlated with engagement. And then also, having a sense of choice and control were significantly correlated with engagement as well. And you talked a little bit about, you know, the ways to foster engagement, meaning and purpose, and people having the opportunity to learn and grow and having a sense of well-being. Are there other perspectives that you have on how organizations can foster engagement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have so many different ones. Let me let me talk about one, this concept, kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about, about well-being and engagement being so related to each other. So just conceptually, if you think about caring about people as people, showing them that you're committed to them as human beings, how much that creates a feeling more than likely of reciprocity. So if you care about people as people, more than likely they're going to be committed back to the organization. So there's just sort of a, that sort of makes sense of it kind of goes both ways, caring about people and people caring about your organization. But let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Why, why is well-being so, so related to employee engagement? So there are a couple different kind of components of this that we've found in our research and that there's definitely literature support for. Um, one of them is just this concept of purpose. So when people have more well-being in their lives, they tend to have more of a sense of purpose. And purpose is very much related to this idea of employee engagement. You've got to be, have a deep connection and sense of purpose at work to really be engaged. So when purpose is fulfilled and through well-being, you're more likely to have people who are engaged. So that's kind of one level of why is well-being related to employee engagement. Another one is this concept of stress. So what we have found is that stress and the way that people who have higher levels of well-being People, they tend to be able to actually handle stress in, in different ways from people who 
who don't have a sense of well-being. And stress is interestingly related to the idea of employee engagement. So there's something about the concept of feeling stressed or not feeling stressed that is related to being engaged. What we found in the research that we did was that our book of business data, we had um, I think about 200,000 respondents to this particular um, analysis that we did. What we found is that those people in our sample who had the highest levels of employee engagement actually had the lowest levels of stress. And we were really surprised about those results because if you think about people you know who are really engaged at work, they're the people who might look stressed, right? They're kind of got some energy and they've got a lot of thing, things on their to-do list and they're really active and things are always happening for them. So you might think about on the surface, those people who are really engaged look like they're more stressed. But what we found is just the opposite, that those people with high levels of engagement report low levels of stress. And then those people with low levels of engagement report high levels of stress. So we're really trying to break that down and understand that relationship between stress and engagement. What we think might be happening is that there might be a way that people who are engaged frame the conditions that you might think of as stressful. They might frame them in different ways. So they might think about things as challenges or opportunities, or they get to do something versus they have to do something. Um, so there's a really interesting relationship between stress and engagement that we're, we're digging in deeper to. Um, I think that there's also the idea of energy. So when you think about well-being, you're really thinking on one hand about, you know, feeling good in your body and in your head. And there's an energy component to that. Of course, there's a sleep and nutrition and kind of movement component to that, but there's also an energy compo component in your head around distraction and clarity. And so how can we think about this idea of energy from a well-being space being directly related to the energy that you have to feel or that you do feel when you're engaged at work? So, and then finally, just to kind of wrap it up, and I think I, I mentioned this a little bit before, if your organization cares about you as a person, if they care about your well-being, more than likely you're going to feel valued and cared for and get, again, the idea of reciproca um, reciprocating that to your organization, that you'll value and care for your organization too. So I think it's really important for organizations that are trying to think about this idea of engagement to not forget about this idea of well-being, about caring and valuing people as people. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. And that well-being with the component of authenticity, right? Like it's not just a set of uh, traits that I'm trying to demonstrate. It's really that deep caring for people. You yeah. know, as you're talking about stress, the, the concept of eustress um, occurs to me, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, -E -S -S, the idea that there's kind of an ideal amount of stress, but as you say, stress may be framed in a different way. So it's probably more about an ideal sense of pressure or challenge or opportunity yes. or cool stuff I get to do, right? Like yes. it's, it's the framing of that, and that brings out my passion. So that just right amount of um, challenge that's on someone's plate is surely related to that stress piece and that reciprocity piece and that energy piece because we get energized when we're um, passionate about something, when we're doing something that feels like it's impactful, that we can make a unique difference. Completely. And, and just to build on that, Tracy, um, I think it's so interesting for us to understand kind of how that idea of you stress 
how that translates or how, how far does that go until we think about the concept of burnout. And I think burnout is another really interesting area for us to understand more. In so many ways, to me, it's the, the really interesting intersection between in, employee engagement and low well-being, right? It's the time when people are giving their all to an organization, usually for extended periods of time in situations where there's a lot of stress going on and they're starting to perceive it as stressful, where they're engaged, they're all in, they care deeply, but they get to the point where they just cannot sustain it. And the, the research on burnout is so interesting. Um, what happens when somebody is is in that situation for a long period of time and, and there's no intervention by themselves or the organization, um, what happens with that is that they become, start to become cynical. And so they start to be really kind of a negative, uh, have negative energy in the organization. They also start to feel like they're not making a difference. So somebody who really cared so much that they were sacrificing everything, really sacrificing everything in their, in their own lives for the organization, starts to be kind of labeled as somebody that's negative, that's toxic, um, that can't handle it. And it's just such a sad thing because this is how you lose, organizations lose some of their best, most talented people. So anyway, I think that you're, you're right on. There's, there's so much to understand of this balance point of, you know, stress for me might be different from stress for you and how they impact us. And we really as organizations need to start understanding that in a better way, a deeper way, so that managers and leaders can really talk to people. Again, because it's such a, it's such an individual difference in terms of what's stressful, what's not stressful, and how it impacts you. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. Absolutely. You know, we had a, a really funny story that a client was sharing with us just recently. They said, they said, one egg does not make a dozen, but one bad apple can spoil a barrel, which we just, we laughed. And I mean, I guess that's a little cynical, right? But it has right. everything to do with not just the impact that that person is potentially having on themselves, but the impact they have on others, Completely. which is actually a great which is actually a great segue. I just want to make sure we have time to ask you about um, the workplace. So as you think about uh, the elements that are most important to success, we've talked about engagement and reciprocity and stress and energy and passion. What are the elements of the workplace that you think are most important to the success of the organization through those lenses? How does the workplace really matter in these discussions? And so I think there's so many different things that happen um, in the physical workplace, in the surroundings. And I think that in some ways, you know, the authenticity that I talked about before is really so important that it's got to feel like it represents um, what we say we're really about, the physical workplace. So there are things that I think are so important, like natural light and, you know, really making sure that the symbols that are in the organization are meaningful. Um, that, you know, sometimes I walk into, um, into organizations I've never been in before, and I'll ask about something, you know, a, a particular plaque that's in the um, entryway or something that I see there, and people will say, oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know, that's from long time, a long time ago, right? If there's not real intention around what's around us and that the symbols that are around us represent something important, um, I think that's just such a missed opportunity. So I think there's just the way that the, space kind of feels is so important, and the energy that's given off by the space. Um, so we have 
a kind of a interesting space. We I think we teased that we spent $1,500 to decorate our or, <laughs> our, our uh, office space. We have about we have about 210 employees at Lime, but about 150 people sit here in this space. And so I think what's so fun is that the employees have decided how we're going to actually you know, the symbols that are going to be here and how we're going to decorate it. And there's just such a fun energy about it. I'm actually sitting in this room called the laundry room. Each of our rooms are represent just the rooms of a house. And this laundry room has um, T-shirts from all the different kind of phases of Limeade's history hanging up on a clothesline here with bubbles on the wall. And that was just an employee came up with that, and it was a good idea. And it's neat because it shows our history. It also, we have some customer T-shirts that are in here, too. And there's just something that's authentic and interesting about it that, you know, I, I think that it's important for organizations to really capture what matters to you, what's important to this culture, how can we be intentional, and you don't have to spend a ton of money to do it. Oh, I love it. That makes so much sense and such a really, really nice alignment between what are we trying to do with the culture and what are the behaviors that we want to foster and therefore what do we need to do with the workplace and what does that work experience need to be like for people, both in terms of the physical environment and in terms of the way that we're kind of leading and fostering the culture around folks. That's just terrific. Well, this is so great, Laura. Thank you so much for your time. It's wonderful to hear your perspectives and um, really, really appreciate that lens of the people and leadership and really that HR role. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This concludes this episode of Cornette Global's podcast on engagement and well-being, Symbols in the Workplace. Have an idea or a point of view you'd like to share? Want to record a What's Next podcast of your own? Visit CornetGlobal.org backslash podcast to learn more.